Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys, we've been going through 1 Thessalonians, and the whole crux of our study here has been Paul trying to help a Thessalonian church maintain its faith, even in spite of the uncertain times that they were facing. And so we've been trying to learn lessons from this letter for our lives, because the reality is, you and I live in uncertain times, do we not? And we live in a culture that's continually changing and it's continually exerting its influence over us in negative ways. And one of those areas has to do with the reality. If you're not aware of this, then maybe you're not awake to what's going on around us, is that our society and our culture is so sex-saturated. Have you noticed that? It's so sensually oriented, and that really kind of goes over into our basic lives and how we interact with each other, and even how we interact with each other in church. And last week, as we began this passage, Paul's talking about that his desire for us is that we would be fulfilled in our lives as believers, that we would be have that abundant life. And the way that we have that abundant life is by doing what God calls us to. And remember, we talked about God's commands as not being some kind of barrier for you to not enjoy life, but basically boundaries for which you, for you to thrive in. Because if you cross those boundaries, then you open up all kinds of misery for your life. So then he told us right off the bat, for our purity... And for our sake, it's his will that we, what? Avoid sexual immorality. Now, let me just stop for a moment. When we talk about sexual immorality, the word there is pornea. Sometimes it's translated into the Bible word fornication. But the word is means more than just intercourse. It means more than just sexual intimacy. It means all sexual sin. All sexual sin, from, from fantasies to what you watch on TV to what you click to what you engage in, to even what you speak. It's an all-encompassing word, and he's telling us to avoid it in our lives, and that we need to get a grip on it, because we shouldn't live like unbelievers. Well, now he's going to go one step further and talk to us about getting serious about this issue, because the reality is, is you and I have to make that decision to avoid it, but we've got to take this subject seriously. Why? Because that's our culture, isn't it? That's our culture. It's everywhere. When you walk through Walmart, when you, when you look at TV, when you're driving down the road, when you're listening to the radio, is it not everywhere? And its influence is constantly there on us. And eventually it has, not eventually, it always has what? A negative effect on you. So what we're going to talk today is about getting serious about this issue. Because here's the reality. Let's go back. Why do we need to do this? Why do we need to do this? Well, let's go back to what he says in the first three verses. So that you are fulfilled in your life in Christ. 
so that you have that abundant life. And a lot of us have expressed that we want to go deeper in our life with Jesus, right? But could it be that the reason why we're not is because there's an area in our lives that we are ignoring and we're not dealing with? So let's look at what he says here. We're going to focus today on three verses. Verses 6 through 8 of chapter 4. Let's look at what he says here real quick. That no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter. What matter? The issue of sexual immorality. Because the Lord is the avenger of all such as... We also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Alright, what we're going to do is we're going to take these three verses, and we're basically going to divide it into two sections. We're going to see some what we need to do in this area concerning others. What do you mean by concerning others, George? Well, how we need to interact with each other concerning this. And you're going to find some of what he says here to be very interesting. And then we're going to look and see in verse 7-8 that Paul's going to make a point to tell us that our action in this area is not an option. Not an option. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Let's look at this thing about concerning others. Look at what he says, verse 6. A lot wrapped up here. Let that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. We're going to look at four things here. First of all, look at that first part there. Look at what he says there, that no one take advantage of. What that word means, take advantage of, in its original language means to overreach. That no one overreach with someone else. What in the world are you talking about, George? Well, here's my point. We are to maintain our boundaries with each other. We're to maintain our boundaries with each other in this area. What area, George? The whole area of sexual immorality. The whole area of sexual purity. You and I are to maintain our boundaries with each other. That's especially true that we maintain our boundaries with the opposite sex, right? Hello, we used to talk like that, didn't we? We used to have a culture that had boundaries of how you could act with someone else. But I'm going to be honest with you, as our culture has shifted, so have our boundaries shifted. Isn't that true? If you think about it, the older you are, you realize that, right? As our culture has shifted, our boundaries have shifted. And so we've overreached with each other. What do you mean? So, for instance, you know, you get a bunch of couples together, okay? This happens all the time. You get a bunch of couples together, and they're joking, and they're carrying on talking about their relationships. Almost always, almost always, somebody's going to be joking about what? Sexual intimacy. They're always going to be crossing the boundaries with other people. And the sad thing is when they do it in front of who? Single people. Because in church, if you're single, you're supposed to be what? Pure. You're supposed to keep yourself until when? Marriage. 
but we're crossing the boundaries all the time with each other, taking advantage of each other by bringing up these issues, and it isn't good. There is a thing where you and I need to get back to and grasp the reality, even though our culture, even though you may watch a sitcom, even though you may watch a movie, and they're constantly crossing the boundaries of that in the movie, and it's almost acceptable and expected, folks, as believers, you need to have boundaries. You need to have boundaries. You need to have boundaries. Why? Because we want to avoid what? This whole area of sexual immorality. Well, you say, George, one hug isn't going to go there. No, but if you start dropping boundaries with people, eventually what happens? You go down a slippery slope. You go down a slippery slope. See, this is what Paul's talking about here. Look at verse 6 here. He's telling us, he just said to us, let's, actually, let's go back verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Verse 4, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel. So you know yourself, know yourself. You know what areas you give into here, right? In this issue, he goes on. Verse 4, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel. And five, not in a passion of lust like the unbelievers do. And then he gets to verse six. He just flat out says, don't take advantage of one another. And that word advantage there talks about the issue of boundaries. Maintain the boundaries. You're not being old-fashioned. You're not being a fuddy-duddy. You're not being countercultural, although it may seem that way. You're just maintaining your own integrity and your own what? Purity. Because you want to be fulfilled. You want to have the life that God has for you. That's what we got to do. Here's the other thing he tells us here. Look, the second thing is, is we must not defraud others with this issue. Now the word defraud there is, a, is an all-encompassing word because it's not just that I take advantage, that I cross the boundaries with you and I engage in a sexual activity with someone else that who's not my spouse. It's actually talking about every area again, whether it's a physical action or... Here's the one that sometimes in church we struggle with the most. A verbal action. When we make jokes and talk about it in a way that's not right to talk about it, and we defraud each other. Have you, have you ever wondered that sometimes? When you listen to people, even though they might love, know Jesus, the way they talk to each other about this, they, they're almost defrauding of each other. That's what he's talking about here. You've got to maintain your integrity. Be careful what you say. Because it may be taken the wrong way by somebody else. Have you you not lived long enough to know that? Because what you say may be taken the wrong way. Have you noticed that? Anybody had that experience? Where you said something and somebody took it away that you didn't mean and they ran off in their own la-la land somewhere else with what you said? Man, we need to maintain our integrity in this area. Watching, not just maintaining boundaries, but not defrauding each other. Because, folks, we're getting defrauded 
all the time outside, are we not? But when we're with God's people, it is very important that you don't defraud someone else. That you maintain your integrity. Why? Again, this is not just a set of rules so that you maintain and have some sense of spirituality. No, no. It is, it is a guideline that God is setting up for us because He wants what's best for our life. He wants us to be what? Fulfilled. For us to have an abundant life. So yeah. This is going to stand countercultural to the way the world is. This is what we're supposed to do. He's talking about our actions towards others. And he's talking about maintaining boundaries. And he's talking about not defrauding others. Look at what else he says here. Look at what he says there, verse 6. Because the Lord is the avenger of all such. Here's what he's saying. We must take this seriously because God will hold us accountable. Now that's the polite way of saying it. The polite way to say is, you know what, we gotta, this area, we got to take it seriously because God's going to hold us accountable. That's the George Cannon, soften it a little bit way of saying it. What the scripture says is something so much more harsher. What do you mean, George? Well, look at what the passage says. For the Lord is a what? An avenger. Now that's not like Captain America and Iron Man and the Hulk, okay? The biblical concept of an avenger is someone who makes retribution for and, and, and wrecks havoc on for the sake of one's honor. One who takes vengeance in a violent way. It's describing God as wanting to take action against us if we don't take this issue seriously. That's one thing that we've forgotten in this whole issue is the fear of God. That there are some things you just don't do because you're scared of God. Are any of you scared of God? You need to be. Because he'll hold us accountable. Now, I know we like to say God's our friend and God loves us and God Jesus died for us. That's all true. But that does not remove the fact that he holds people accountable. And it doesn't remove the fact that in the scripture, he especially tells us as believers that he will chastise us. He will discipline us. He will take us to the woodshed if we don't do right in this area. And here he's talking about, folks that he is an avenger. And if I am not careful about the boundaries I set in my life, and I've been taking advantage of somebody else, and if I'm defrauding somebody else, guess what? He's going to actively hold me accountable. Wow. So it brings up the fourth point in this verse. Look at what he says there. As we also forewarned you and testified. What's he saying here? We must be continually reminded about this. Because here's the scoop. The culture is what it is. The culture is what it is. It is, it is heading in the direction that the culture is heading in. You live in that culture. 
And you might decide today, you know what, George, I'm going to get serious about this issue. Jesus, you got my attention. I'm going to get serious about this issue. I'm going to make a decisive decision in this issue. I'm going to be careful. I'm going to maintain my boundaries. I'm going to be careful what comes out of my mouth. I'm going to be careful about how I am towards others. I don't want to defraud anyone. The problem is, folks, you live in this culture. And you are going to be constantly bombarded, 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 day in, day out, moment by moment, month by month, by the culture. Therefore, you have to be continually reminded. Do you know what I mean? You have to have it continually reinforced in your mind that, folks, this is God's will. This is what he wants for you. This is your purification. That this is what you need to do. You need to avoid this issue in your life. Because all of us want to be fulfilled in Jesus. All of us want to have that abundant life. And so we've got to constantly remind ourselves. Constantly remind ourselves. Because if we just hear it one time after a while, we just kind of forget it. Isn't that true? I know I'm that way. Because I'm constantly being bombarded. And I'll be honest with you, what happens is with the constant bombardment of our culture, you just get desensitized. And so all of a sudden you're talking the way the culture talks. You're defrauding each other the way the culture defrauds each other. All of a sudden you're, you're, you're crossing boundaries because the culture says to cross the boundaries. You have to be constantly reminded to maintain for your sake. For your sake. And that's the way we are to be with each other. And then he goes on in verse 6 and 7, and he just flat out says to us, it's not an option. Because you might be saying here, well, you know, that's all well and good, George. That all sounds really good. But you know what? <clears throat> yeah, I'll take it into consideration. But you know what? I, you know, it's, this is America. This is the 21st century. You know what, that, that sounded good maybe 2,000 years ago, but you know what, I can do my own thing. I can maintain myself. I, I can handle it. By the way, famous last words. I can handle it. If you don't know what I mean, ask somebody who's uttered it and who's fallen. Because they always thought that they could what? Handle it. Because you can't. And what we're going to see is, is that what you and I need to grasp here, what we're going to see here is we're going to see some points come out of these two verses that are going to flat out tell you that what he's telling us here is not an option. It's not an option. It's not a take it or leave it. It's not just follow through on one area of it and hope the best for the other. He's telling us, you guys need to hear me. Maintain your lives in this area. Avoid it. Why? Because he just told us in verse 4, it's what? The will of God. And folks, let me just tell you, there's only two times in the New Testament that it flat out tells you what the will of God is. One is in the area of thanksgiving. We're going to see that in chapter 5 when we get there. The other is in the area of sexual immorality. Folks, if you want to know what God's will is, this is it. There's no options here. So look at what he says. Look with me. Look at verse 7. Look at what he says there. 
For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. First thing I want you to see there is that believers are not meant for this. You're not meant for it. This was not what He saved you for. You are above this. Do you know what I'm saying? Don't go beneath yourself to engage in this activity. That's the point here. You weren't called to uncleanness. You weren't called to just do whatever the culture says and to embrace it. And, and yeah, maybe it feels good. Yeah, it, it maybe it satisfies some, some desire for the moment. And notice it's only for the moment. But it always leaves you less satisfied in the end. You weren't created for this. You weren't saved for this. It's not an option because it's not befitting of you. If you, you ever, you know, I mean, I remember times as a kid that there were certain things we didn't do simply because I was a canon and my dad said, we don't do that. Did you know what I mean? We don't do that. That's what Paul's talking about here. Paul's talking about, we don't act this way. You weren't called to this. This is beneath you. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is beneath who you are as a believer in Jesus Christ. Here's what the second thing he says. Again, verse 7. God calls us to personal holiness. He calls us to personal holiness. In fact, I want you to look at the word here. In fact, it's interesting. Just a two-letter word here that he chooses reflects something here that you and I need to grasp as we try to understand that calling to personal holiness. Look what he says there. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but look, notice, but in holiness. Notice he didn't word to, didn't say to holiness. He uses the word in. You notice that? It's not to holiness. It's in holiness. What does that mean? He's saying that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are already what? Holy. He didn't call you to this activity that is beneath you. He called you to be who you really are. You're holy. You're a saint. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. He called you to be who you are. Most of us have no clue about who we are. Most of us have no clue about what God has made us. Most of us have no clue that He has separated us from that and that we're something completely different now. He's called us to be who we are and who we need to be is personally holy. You're different. Man, some of us need to grasp that, don't we? We're different from this. We don't have to just go with the flow of the culture. Folks, the culture's headed to hell. Are you sure you want to go with that flow? So then he tells us, verse 8, look at what he says. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has also given us his Holy Spirit. What's he saying here? When we ignore this directive, we are not rejecting the opinion of men. When you and I ignore this directive... We are not rejecting the opinion of men. Because you might be saying, oh, you know, that's well and fine, George. That's your opinion. That's the opinion of the writer. That's the opinion of the church today. But, you know, I have a different perspective. I'm, I'm free. I'm liberated. I'm, 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 I'm a modern man. Folks, when you reject this, you're not, ejected, you're not rejecting my opinion. 
When you reject this, you're not rejecting the opinion of some Bible scholar somewhere. When you reject this, you're not just rejecting the position of the church. You're not rejecting men. Do you understand that? That's the point he wants you to understand. That you need to grasp that when you decide that you're going to do different in this area, you're not just rejecting some man's opinion. What are you doing? Here's the last point. To ignore or reject this directive is to ultimately reject God. You're not a direct... You're, you know what? You can take what I'm saying and say, boy, man, I wish we could go on next week. We're going to talk about brotherly love. That'll be great. Let's go next week. Because I just don't really know if I agree with you, George. Fine. It really doesn't matter whether or not you agree with me. It's whether or not you reject what God's saying. And just so you know, it's not my opinion. Look at what verse 4 says again. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification, that you abstain from what? Sexual immorality. That doesn't sound like George's opinion. That very much sounds like what God wants us to know, right? And if I reject it in these areas, as he has expressed it out, what that means in the following verses up to verse 8, if I reject that, I'm not rejecting man. I'm rejecting who? God. It's not an option. You know, some of us here, I'll just be flat out honest with you, I think we can, we can resonate with this. You know, I think back to my childhood, and there were times when my parents told me not to do something. And, and I'm like a typical teenager... Because this, we're all here. We've been there. We think that directives from our parents are optional. Have you noticed that? I know that's the way I was as a teenager. That they're optional. And I remember one time being told not to do something, and I just kind of saw it as an option. So I did my own thing. And, and, and I remember being called on the carpet about it. And I remember the devastation of my mother because of what I did. And at first I kind of didn't, you know, I kind of was like, oh, come on, mom, come on, mom. Get real, mom. But as I've gotten older, I realized why my mother responded that way. You want to know why my mother responded that way? Because my actions were not just taking it as an option, I was ultimately rejecting who? Her. And that was devastating to her. See, we want to make this whole area of our life an option. I can look at what I want to look at. Nobody's going to get hurt. I can think about what I'm thinking about. Nobody's going to get hurt. I can click on that thing on the computer. Nobody's going to get hurt. I can watch those kind of movies. Nobody's going to get hurt. I can engage in those kind of activities. Nobody's going to get hurt. It's just me. Nobody else knows. The problem is, the problem is, that when I do that, I'm doing something that I wasn't called to, that is beneath me. And that when I do that, I'm not just rejecting my pastor. I'm not just rejecting the church. I'm not rejecting some man's opinion or moral opinion or conservative opinion. I'm rejecting who? The God who cares for me and wants what's best for me, who wants to protect me. 
That's the point he's making here. It's not an option, folks. It's not an option. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.